everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And today it's pretty cool. We are here talking with Claire and Chad Simons, and they are the owners of a business called The Three Cricketeers. Why are there three cricketeers if there's just two cricketeers in front of me? (laughs) Thank you for having us. First (laughs) question, yeah. We have three boys. Okay, so it's based in your family business. Yes. So we have Maddox, Conrad, and Chase. And that makes sense then. Yes. So you guys, I was looking, I think I first met you on the Jason show and we were out at the state fair and you were having people sample, we were sampling crickets. I think it it sticks in my mind because there was a cricket, what are they called? Antenna? That was like stuck in my throat. (laughs) Oh no. Like. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being choked to death by a cricket antenna, which made me laugh. Um, But it's good for you. Good fiber. (laughs) I've been thinking about you guys, and then I was talking with Lauren Perdon, who's your neighbor. Our neighbor, yep. And she was like, oh, you have got to talk to my neighbors. And I did talk to uh, North Star Crickets, and I'm not even sure he's in business anymore. Oh, okay. Um, I talked to him originally on the podcast, but I'm sort of obsessed with this idea of cricket farming. And then recently I was at the food ag day that Grow North had, and they did a panel on food trends. And everywhere you looked was cricket protein and proteins, and it was really something that was getting a ton of traction. And there was a product I'd never heard of that was a cricket protein chip. And I tried to order it right at the seminar because I was like, oh, I've never heard of that before. I wonder if it's good. And when I went to order it, it was sold out. Was it the Chirps chips? Yes. The tortilla chips. Yeah, totally sold out. And then they had another like some kind of a bar that had, and I was like, oh, I'm going to try to order that. Sold out. Everything I tried to order that was pictured in this presentation that day was sold out. Wow. So that made me reach out to you because I was like, okay. This is happening. Crickets yep. are now. Yep. It's it's here. What is your backgrounds that you decided to get into cricket farming? And is this, I'm assuming it's your side hustle. It is. I'm, I'm a nurse at Fairview Southdale in maternity. Oh, I had yes. my baby there. You awesome. did. Yeah, good. she's 21, but oh, yes, good. I had a great experience. <laughs> and go ahead, Chad. Oh, um, I went to law school, Vermont Law School, and uh, focused in environmental law, so Sustainability would be my uh, passion and the reason I got into this as well. Right. It so, was, yeah, it was kind of a blending of our two passions because nutrition was really mine. And uh, we would have conversations at night where Chad would say the population is growing and there's not going to be any water. And You guys sound really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I said, thank goodness we're in Minnesota. There's lots of water. Right. But... Um, we made it fun. We, we made, made it, it fun because, yeah. you know, it's, it, you're right. It's not that much fun to talk about the challenges we're facing. Yeah. And we all are aware of what they are. But it is a lot of fun to grow crickets. Yeah. Especially when you know it is doing something that's going to hopefully help right. these so, problems. So you guys are, are you married couple? Yes. yes. Okay. So you're a nurse. You were in law school. Or... Uh, I am an inactive attorney. Okay. I'm still a lawyer, but I don't maintain an active license. I have too much other things to do right now. <laughs> I understand that. Too many other things. Um, so you're both talking about these things, and you've got three kids. Where was the moment where you pulled the trigger? Do you remember it? 
Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think he said bugs, and I said what? <laughs> <laughs> and we started really, we started growing them in our basement. I think, and that's when we thought, okay, we could do this. We could yeah. actually do this. And really, I looked at the nutrition profile, and I was blown away. And that's when I kind of thought, okay. This we need to bring this back, I should say. So I had been looking at you know um, the conventional practices of agriculture um, and its effect on the environment for quite some time. Um, it's kind of disturbing, isn't it? It's a little disturbing, but um, you know, I think the trigger, you know, to actually pull the trigger and do this business came when um, my son came home from school with a cricket cookie. Um, it was, yeah quite a mind-opening experience for me the light bulb went on and we we started there where did he get a cricket cookie uh you can get it from us we actually sell cricket cookies at well the hopkins farmer's market this summer we were doing it the last day was this past saturday um we have several events (laughs) chocolate (laughs) chirps yeah um so yeah we have uh, other opportunities coming up too though where people can come and visit us and get our products too like uh, claire makes an awesome molasses cricket cookie it's awesome um, and we can have we'll have things like that for sale at the events coming up. Um, Claire, do you want to say what kind of an, any events coming up? Um, you guys are cute because you keep looking at each other and you <laughs> talk to each other, but then when you look at each other, your head's not in the microphone. So I'm okay, like, okay, people, stop <laughs> with the loving look, looks sideways. Just look at me. We, we just had a bug event though at uh, at Ladonia Severia, and um, it went really well. We had our um, different roasted flavored crickets available and well, cricket and you powder. brought some here so yeah yes you have to let's try. just back up a second yeah. so you're nursing you're doing your thing you're you've got kids you decide like okay this feels like the thing how long did you research it a couple months and then we reached out to kevin bachuber who had the first farm mm-hmm. here in the u.s and he is now a consultant. And so we started talking with him over like Skype, I think. And he said, yep, start growing them out of your basement and just see if you like it. See if you can actually hatch them. Yep. And so that was really fun because... Because they come as eggs. That, no, actually they come, we order them and then we breed them. So you have to get them to have sex. <laughs> we don't have to try very hard. Okay. Most of that goes with the chirping. So you get, how many in your first round did you get? I think we got about 200. Okay. And they're in like a terrarium or something. And mm-hmm. I you set up like a whole little warm space. An in the incubator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it, the first time I remember it was kind of funny because we were kind of putting our fingers in the peat moss, sifting through it to see if we could find some eggs. And we got real excited when we saw some. And now we're getting so many eggs. Um, we produce probably in just one um, hatching session, 100,000 eggs easily. Oh, and then do all those get fertilized? They're already fertilized. Okay. So yeah. Do they have sex like humans with like the vagina, penis in the, I mean, not really like, (laughs) okay, this is going to get so weird. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, they, 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 do they, the female has an ovipositor. Okay. And so the male that the males are the only crickets that chirp. So huh. they are attracting the female. So that one cricket that you hear in your basement, just really loud there. So that's what he's doing. Yeah, he's okay. trying to get those females. And then they get together and 
then how many eggs does the female produce from that one sexual encounter? They can, well, they can lay up to about a hundred a day. So they can just keep having sex every day and mm-hmm. laying a hundred more, a hundred mm-hmm. more, a hundred more. Right. Do they ever get old and tired or do they just die? Uh, well, they do. I don't know. They just die as far as I can tell. I mean, we usually don't let our crickets get so old that they die on their own. Yep. Um, we keep some, you know, 5% of them, let's say, older so they can breed and keep the population going. Um, and we sometimes introduce fresh DNA from other cricket farmers, so that helps that. And that's where we got our initial crop. I suppose, to, because yeah. if you're, they're breeding over breeding, and over yep. and over again, it's yep. going to deplete the stock. And yep. the, that's fascinating. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then they're having all this sex. They're making <laughs> all these eggs. I read on an article that, you know, if we're talking about animal husbandry and humanity and being kind to the animals, you freeze them. Mm-hmm. So they slowly like go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like right. in nature. And then after they're frozen, mm-hmm. then they're dead. Mm-hmm. And then you grind them up or do what you need to do with them. Right. right. It seems so like <laughs> this is going to be real weird. But like, why can't we do that to like animals or humans or like, you know, like not to get all, but right. that that we can't find a way to humanely put people to sleep in mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. regard that is. It's kind of weird because we're really concerned about animal rights and animal welfare, which is I get. But yet it's so weird. Like when I read the whole thing about how it's important to you to put them humanely into service for you in the next venture. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, I wish we could do that with humans. It would be so much more civilized. I agree. Yeah. So, all right, now they're frozen. Then you have them. And Mm -hmm. then what do you do with them? So we have finished building our commercial kitchen. So we can either sell them frozen if the, like a restaurant wants to roast them themselves, or we now process them in our kitchen, which we boil them and then either dehydrate or roast them at a really low temperature for, you know, six to eight hours. Why do you have to boil them first? Well, that really, it cooks them right there. And it just kind of, it does take off some of the antenna and the ovipositors and things like that. Yep, so that aren't yeah. good for eating necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you started this, you must have been doing that in your kitchen at home. Yep. And now you have like a warehouse. Mm-hmm. Okay. To get into the brass tacks, when you first started doing this, like how many, how much money did you spend in crickets in the beginning? Like to get oh, set up your $30 first probably. It was okay. not much. Mm-hmm. You can get a thousand crickets for something like that. Live ones. All right. So then you get the crickets and then like this is getting bigger and bigger and you're like, okay, this is a business. You actually went out and like got a warehouse now right. where you have this cricket farm. We did have a stop before then. We mm-hmm. we did have about an 800 square foot, kind of almost like a storage space. Yep. And we started growing there and that's when we would have our little flashlight helmets on looking for the eggs and it was just really funny when we think back. But um, we quickly grew out of that space and we had tents up and we had to keep it warm and just to kind of keep them contained. But um, then we found this 3,500 square foot space that has been great. And then we built the kitchen inside there. Because is the commercial kitchen of making and prepping cricket powder and cricket cookies, and is that regulated? It is. Like, yeah. By the 
Department of Agriculture. So I think what Claire's mentioning is that there's definitely regulation over how a commercial kitchen is is constructed uh-huh. and how it's operated safely. Um, what we're hoping the government will do soon is issue regulation on best practices for raising crickets right, right. and you know the minimum safety requirements for uh, making sure they're produced and processed safely so that the public can eat them. Why do you hope that they take that on? Are you finding that because the industry is unregulated, it's harder to convince people to try them? And I think there is a certain sense of security that people get when they see that, the, that an industry like this is regulated, that it has been investigated and researched, and they can feel comfortable knowing that everyone producing them is at least meeting those minimum standards. What we do now, though is we meet the minimum standards of probably the most uh, pathogenic protein out there, I guess, that I know of anyway. And if I don't know if pathogenic is the right word. What I'm trying to say is that um, like the meat that would have the most pathogens in it, the temperature you'd have to ke- cook that to and for the length of time it would require to you know get pathogen level to a lower and safe level, we're meeting those minimum requirements for our crickets. Great. We probably don't need to. Right. Um, crickets, you know, they're very clean. Um, even their frass or their cricket poop um, does not smell unless you get it wet. And that's the nice thing. It's dry. You can collect it. And then we're going to sell it for plant food, too. It's an I didn't even really f- think yeah. about that, that crickets poop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so is Everybody it... poops. Don't you know that? <laughs> well, yes. But so you... Okay. So now these crickets are in the terrarium or whatever mm-hmm. they're in. And they have all these eggs. Mm-hmm. And so at some point you pick out, literally, like you hand pick out the crickets and put them into the next place to freeze them? So that's kind of what, what I work on um, is the harvesting. Okay. And so we have these four by eight pens and they're about two feet tall. And so inside of there we have a habitat that's built for them. And then we give them their feed and their water, of course, and keep the temperature at the level they like. But when they're old enough and big enough and it's time for them to be harvested, we simply get all those things out of the pen, you know, all the habitat and the feed and the water, and then it's basically just them. Um, when we take those things out, though, we shake them off into like a 20-gallon tote. Which is like an egg crate because they just kind of crawl up the egg crate. Okay. So, we, yeah, we use egg flats or egg trays as the floor and the ceiling of what we call like their apartment. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, you can go to cricket big cricket solutions and get cricket condos actually and what we make is something like that so i don't want to use their term but um in the floors let's so say you know the of the apartment are the uh chipboard yeah so it's like what what you'd see in a box that separates wine bottles yep and so we just simply dismantle all those little apartments and uh shake them off into a 20 gallon tote and then we then do a, a, a second transfer. We put we take clean egg flats, put them in that um, crowd of crickets at the bottom of the uh, twenty gallon tote. They start crawling up because they want to get out of that crowded situation. And then we shake them off in a fresh, sterilized uh, rubber tote, just like the other one. Only this one's perfectly clean now. And so nothing's getting transferred from what was in the pen except for the crickets, and they're all live because they had to crawl up in the first place to be able to be transferred. So we control the quality that way, and then we have a certain freezing process we do as well that freezes them as fast as we know how to uh, preserve the taste and the freshness and the nutrition to the best we, we are able to at this point. Wow. How did you learn how to do this? 
Bach, you know, Kevin Bachhuber <laughs> and Jackie from Big Cricket Solutions were a big part of helping us learn this quickly and avoid some of those pitfalls, you know, along the way. And we hope to be the same for other people, too. Not that I want to take business away from Big Cricket Solutions and their consulting, but I do want to offer other people out there, especially locally, the opportunity to learn how to grow crickets on their own. Um, it seems like there's a big demand. There correct. Is. So yep. the supply, the, of course, is going to be an issue. And uh, if we can get other people who are interested just to try it out at home in, in a 20-gallon tote, I mean, it, it is a good supplemental income for anybody, farmers, anyone. Uh, I have an engineer even who is growing crickets, and he's just finished uh, producing his first crop. I can't wait to buy them. Um, so we buy them now that we have a processing center and we can, you know, convert them into a retail product for yep. people who sell them to us at wholesale prices. So the more cricket farmers and ranchers you can create here, then right. if they sell that product to you, you become the distribution hub. Correct. Right. And the processing. So it's, it's, it's much better that it's local. Um, you have to ship these crickets frozen and raw. Um, and so if we can come pick them up or whatever, that's even better. reduces the cost of shipping yeah. basically. And you know, there's, I can go visit the farms that way and help out and make sure, you know, everything's doing, everyone's done processing yeah. the same way. And mm-hmm. okay. So we, I was telling you that I was at this food egg event and anything that had cricket protein anywhere near it was going gangbusters. That's great. Each cricket is like, what, 67% protein. Is that right? Yeah. And that's before it's dehydrated, I believe. So you take a roasted cricket and that percentage is really high and I don't even know what it is. And in other parts of the world, they eat crickets and roast crickets yep. and that's very common. 80%. I think Andrew yep. Zimmern was the first person I ever saw eat a cricket. Mm-hmm. And they eat them like snacks and mm-hmm. bugs are eaten in lots of parts of the world. And we're probably, you know, I know you sell them as like the novelty factor, but are there, do you have customers that are coming to just like, yeah, I want the Thai style bugs? Sure. Yes. Really? And the the powder. I mean, they definitely want to eat the snacks and the whole bugs. We were at the Hopkins Farmer's Market all summer and, you know, we had cookies and we had baked products, but they really wanted that whole bug, which was great. That's so surprising to me. It was... It was great to see. <laughs> it's really interesting. And um, it was all yeah. ages, too. When we were at the uh, State Fair event, where we worked with Chef Gustavo Romero, he did some cooking demos with us. And it was really, I think it was, my idea of it was to demystify the mm-hmm. how to use it in your kitchen. And it's, I mean, obviously, why is, we don't need to say why anymore. It really, it's here, so we have to do it. But I was kind of showing people how to use it in a smoothie or how to make like a protein ball or how to make a breakfast bar or something Mm -hmm. like that with Mm -hmm. the powder. But then we also had, um, chef Gustavo come and he made some really amazing dishes and we had people lined up all around the Cambria kitchen and they were, they loved it. Mm -hmm. It was great. Is it as simple as creating a powder out of the crickets? That's a replacement for some of the flour in a dish. Yes. So if you're making cookies or brownies or mm-hmm. granola bars or whatever it is you're making, yep. you could sub out. Is there like a ratio of cricket powder to flour I mean, that you works? Could, you could put all cricket powder, but it really, cricket powder is a little bit denser yeah. and it's much oilier and because of all of its nutrients, but it, it's usually about, I wouldn't go over half. Okay. 
maybe a third. That's what I've gotten. I've kind of tested it and gone up and up and sure. And our boys are great taste testers, so they try they, everything. You, you are, do you have all boys? Mm-hmm. Okay, so and they're like, "Cool crickets, yay!" Oh, definitely. Load them up. Yep, it's kind of a norm in That's our house. Part now. of your life. Mm-hmm. Do you? Uh, I don't mean to like get just all these weird questions, but no. you're probably used to it. Yep. <laughs> How many times a week do you eat crickets? Oh, every day. Yeah, I would say every day. In what other than granola bars, cookies, smoothies? Oh, tacos, or we'll put it in uh, pasta. We'll put it on top of a salad, like a crouton, because it really is like a sunflower seed or a pumpkin so, seed. So like a crunchy, mm-hmm. huh? You mm-hmm. know, another thing, though, that Claire usually almost always has like a a pan full of some kind of like breakfast bar brownie. She has this sweet potato um, bread, right? Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And then another one that I think is completely amazing. There's, you can make so many things with like this. banana breads yeah, and banana bread. Huh? I mean, really you can put it in anything and then it's this nutrient dense, good for you snack. So, so from the first batch that you had in the basement mm-hmm. to today is how long has that been? Oh, is it three and a half years now? Three and a half. Yeah. yeah. And like it's a it's a money generating business, but it's also a money sucking business. So at this point, have you been experiencing profit or are you putting everything into the farm mechanism and creating the warehouse? And we're reinvesting absolutely everything in expansion and marketing part of expansion, of course. Um, our mission really at three cricketeers is to get as many people to eat crickets as possible. Um, the profit is secondary and, and I know a lot of business people don't like to hear that, but really, um, for me anyway, my passion is the sustainability side of this. And if we can get as many people to eat crickets and cricket products as possible, I feel like we might actually be able to help something, you know? And so for you, it's a very, um, social based mission. Sure. And, that is possible because obviously you're a nurse, so that's great. When you think about like the world and you have three kids, does it feel like that this is something you can do now to improve their lives down the road and the world down absolutely, the road? Absolutely, absolutely. I can see yes. that. Yeah, yes. yeah, and, and that, yeah. That's right. One of the main reasons we did this, not only the sustainability and the nutrition, and they work for us. They've worked for us every summer. And that's, I mean, as an entrepreneur, teaching your kids how to run a business. Mm-hmm. and But part of that is at some point, you know, you may want to leave your nursing job. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And maybe you want to be full-time cricketeers. And then, you know, you have to put food on the table and how that's all going to work with the family. Can you just keep like, if you look at um, monoculture, is it not monoculture, aquaponics, mm-hmm. and you look at like these football fields of people with salmon in tanks and they're running regenerative systems and they're growing lettuce from the fish poop and then they're harvesting the fish and they're just like football fields upon football fields of some companies that are doing this. Do you see like that this cricket thing could get that big? I'm so glad you asked that. Yes, definitely. It will get that big. Um, and I'm glad you asked about the aquaculture thing too, because I was recently uh, contacted by um, a restaurant that has a basement um, that they're doing an aqua aquaculture um, operation in, and they want to keep it a complete enclosed loop. Um, they'd like to. The only thing that they don't have enclosed right now is the protein source that the fish need to eat. 
So I'm going to help them grow crickets down there as well. Is it Citizen Cafe? Um, no, it's not. Okay. But I would really like to talk to Citizens Cafe. I wonder, because I think they do it. Um, is it Mateo Maccabee? No. That's his name. And I think he has been exploring that. And maybe it's something he's exploring. I'm not sure how far into it he is. But that is ringing a bell in my mind, though it could be wrong. Um so but cool. that's really interesting. It is so cool. Yeah. yeah. So, because you could have a completely closed loop and you could produce sure. all your own yep. ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, how, I mean, you're not going to know the answer to this question, but like, it seems like the world's kind of ready, or that, not the world, because the world has been ready a long time, but the United States, that Minnesota, like, people are ready to explore these additional protein sources. We're exploring plant based meats. Like, people seem really ready. Yes. So and your I, timing seems great. And especially here in the Twin Cities, I think this was the best place for us to have started this because everyone is so open, but also they really care about the environment. They care where their food source is coming from. And um, I think that, I don't know, crickets are... Go ahead. They meet all those values. And I, I was just going to add, you know, I think Minnesota is one of the healthiest states in the nation, right. too. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like, like you said, Claire, the perfect place to start this business. I mean, crickets are healthy. So, so why not? <laughs> so when you are looking at looking at expanding your business, so now we're, we've got crickets, right? And now you're putting crickets into snacks and you're making them into powders and trying to find all the ways that crickets can be consumed. Then do you have to create a whole nother business model? And it sounds like the answer is yes, because you've building this kitchen to get the cricket from frozen, roasted, whatever format to someone's mouth. And is that part of the business that you like, or would you rather just be wholesale, or do you have to do it all? I think right now with education, we, we have to do it all. We have to have the products. I think our end goal is really to be an ingredient. I mean, I'd love to be at the co-ops and have, you know, you have your flour, and then you have your cricket, cricket powder, powder, and you just scoop it. But... Right now, people really have to taste it and see what it is. So we do have to have these other products to come out with. So I think right now it's all. It is quite a different business model. Completely. Because you're a manufacturer Mm -hmm. of something, and now your end product and trying to get on grocery shelves and packaging and both very challenging businesses. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, Growing crickets for me is extremely um, calming and fun at the same time. Um, you get to, in the middle of the winter, for example, go into your warm farm and, like a and hear night. crickets. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's, it's like being in there on a summer day. Um, and, and it's, you know, not too many, it doesn't require too much overhead. You do need a warm space. That's probably the biggest challenge. But it's a different business model than, you know, getting a commercial kitchen approved by the Department of Agriculture and all that, and then coming up with products, developing them, which Gustavo Romero has been amazing um, for us to do, and I just can't thank him enough. And he's um, a chef where? He, is at tra- he was at Travail this summer, so we met him back a year ago, over a year ago, at Costa Blanca Bistro. Uh-huh. It was the first bug dinner and or insect dinner and we connected there and then he had qua at travail this summer and then that's where we talked with him again and asked him to start help us with the demos at the state fair and now he is helping us to 
with our flavors and mm-hmm. just different. He knows how they should taste. I mean, he's been eating insects his whole life. So oh, that's been, a great partnership for you then. It's great. Um, he has been such a huge help and he continues to be. He ha- he knows other um, restaurants out there that are open to um, using um, crickets and mm-hmm. insects in general. Um, well, and- right now he's at Mercy. Actually, I yeah. think they're having a pop-up he with did. our crickets tonight. And they're doing tacos. <laughs> okay. So... Is a cicada or like if you start to go up the cricket chain mm-hmm. and bigger, badder, more protein, is that like also something that we might see down the road? Grasshoppers or chapulines, that is what they taste phenomenal. I mean, mealworms. Agave, agave larva are one of my favorites. Yep. Okay. Yeah. There, so well, there yeah, are you, so you, many you will edible see, insects. Yeah, not only from us, from not only from three cricketeers. Um, will you see other kinds of insects being available at some point in the future? Mealworms are on the list. Um, but you will also see that maybe in 10 years, we have restaurants that serve a variety of different types of insects. You know, and I kind of look at it as like right now is how the sushi industry was back at, what, 20 years ago. Yep. And now look at it. And that's probably how insects will be in probably only 10 years now because it's so much easier to get the word out than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I'd love you guys to hook up with um, Steve Horton uh, from Bakersfield Flour and Bread because he's milling all these uh, heritage grains and he's really into like getting back to the purity of bread. And I'm in a podcast with him in a couple weeks, but I could see like, again, putting cricket powder into bread and how that would work and... That's exactly what we're trying to accomplish, yes. Mm-hmm. The protein, yeah. and the protein, if you look at it, it's very similar to an egg. You know, the protein sure. amount. So yep. it could be used in so many different ways. And in the future, you're just going to see alternative protein. And you're not probably not going to know that that's crickets. Right. But it's, um, it's so nutrient-dense and with iron and ma- magnesium, copper, sure. zinc. I mean, there's so many. It's also... New studies have just come out from the University of Wisconsin. It was a smaller study, and we need lots of studies, more studies done. But they found that it um, reduces inflammation in the body. So it's actually a probiotic now. And, I mean, the one thing about the American diet is that it's so Mm protein-heavy with animal fats. I mean, now, obviously, people are taking plant sources Seriously, I just did a uh, segment on uh, TV about plant-based meats and 1% of the population is, which this is like a lot and revelatory and growing super fast, but 40% is still meat-based. It's, it's still meat-based. So yeah. even though it, you are hearing all about these meat-based um, alternatives or plant-based alternatives, they just have so far to go in mm-hmm. terms of even competing in that meat space. Mm-hmm. Yep. I and I, th- well, it's huge, huge growth potential really of course. for, for right. any investor yeah. or farmer or processor or retailer out there. Really, you should be looking at this. But the thing about crickets is that it's so heavy with animal products, but those animal products have no fiber. And that's where the cricket really is just this powerhouse because it has everything. It has protein, but it has fiber and it has healthy fats. It has all these vitamins and nutrients. And that's really where I kind of took off with it because I couldn't believe 
how fabulous it was. And it's a complete protein. has all the essential amino acids that human beings need. I'm so glad you brought me some because then I yes. can be experimenting yes. in the world of crickets. So what do you need? Like, okay, next year, like this next year, how full are you and how fast are you producing in your 3,500 square feet? We are about a quarter of our capacity right now. So we in the space we have right now. Um, and so we're going to grow four times just doing that space. And then um, we've been offered a very nice uh, deal by our current landlord to expand in his uh, current building. Um, and so we plan on doing that in May. So we'll be expanding um, eightfold by May because twice, at least twice, what we'd be doing now after we do the four times expansion. And do you, for your capacity, as we'll call you the farmer, Chad, mm-hmm. For your capacity as the farmer, can how much more capacity can you do before you have to like start hiring staff? Uh, exactly, and helping people shake. Well, crickets? the good news is we are going to be needing other people, more people to help us. And uh, the additional good news is it's pretty easy. Um, I'm also developing an automatic waterer for our crickets, and there are some of these things that I'm doing that um, make it more efficient and mm-hmm. easier to farm. Um, so on the farming side. We can actually handle what we have right now with one person, mm-hmm. maybe only for four hours. Um, and he, of course, does our employee, Mark Smith. I got to you know, thank him. Um, and he also does a lot of other things during the rest of the day. But um, So you can see, if you do the math, we're going to need at least maybe three or four more people to do the farming by May. Yep. Um, on the marketing, processing, right. all that stuff that we're going to need. That's business, gonna we're going to need help there, too. So. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah, it's an interesting uh, process in that res- respect too to you know get the the people, the good people that you need to help and be able to do that. Yeah. Are you selling all the powder you're making? Right now? Yes. And do you have so much demand that you can just keep going? Yes. That's amazing. That's excellent. So and we need more farmers. We need so. more we need more supply. You know, we're trying to be careful not to overpromise and underperform. Um, but we do have universities like Purdue University that'll um, order 40 pounds of frozen raw crickets at a time. University of Minnesota has been extremely helpful as well. Dr. Sujaya Rao, the head of the entomology department there, mm-hmm. she's actually helping us look into um, a source of funding to test the pathogen level and the nutrient level in our products. Mm-hmm. And that will go so far that we have somebody helping us not only financially to do that and to do it itself, but it coming from a third, you know, party, an objective source, not biased. Um, I think that'll go a long way to help people feel comfortable with our products as well. So if you're listening and you're interested in cricket farming or learning about it, it sounds like you guys are pretty open to that. We oh, of are. course. Yeah. How do you want people to get in touch with you? Um, we would prefer email. Um, it's hard to get back to everybody immediately. Um, but that way I have it and I can find it and always, you know, that's the best way. Um, my email address is chad at simonsfarms.com. You want to spell Simons? Yeah. S I M O N S. Okay. I thought maybe there was a D in there, so I'm glad that you spelled it. Thank you. Um, and that would be if you're interested in cricket farming, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to obtain cricket protein for your 
business, because a lot of makers listen to this, yep. would they also connect with you, Chad, or perhaps with, with me. you, Claire? Yes. I'm that side of it. I'm yeah. now the kitchen and processing side. So I'm Claire at simonsfarms.com. And that's C-L-A-I-R-E. R-E. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, any words of advice that you want to give out there for any burgeoning cricket farmers that might be listening? Most definitely. My biggest uh, piece of advice is don't be afraid. Just do it. It's fun. You, you'll learn, you'll learn having fun and it's, it'll be fast for you and you'll see you can grow pretty quickly too. And they're just crickets. They're just crickets. They're just they don't crickets. Bite. They're a good snack. I say try them and eat them. Yeah. And I have <laughs> eaten them and they are good. It's, mm-hmm. I never thought to like put them on salads or like mm-hmm. the idea of a crunchy protein source. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought that to my attention yeah. and I'll experiment with it a little bit on my Instagram. So if you want to follow along at makers in Minnesota or at Stephanie's dish, um, you might find a few crickets Yay. in my food. Thanks Yay. for being guests on Thank the program. You. Thanks for having yes. us. 